So hello everybody, I'm Gareth Hagan, the Deputy CEO of OCO Global, and I'd like to welcome you back to our sixth uh, OCO broadcast over this period. Today we're going to talk about the future of logistics, which has been a hot topic as the crisis uh, emerged and has unfolded over the last number of weeks. And look, I'm truly delighted to be joined today by uh, two experts and, and innovators in this field. I'm looking forward to the conversation. So delighted to be joined by Kevin J. Traver, who's the key chief commercial officer for the American Trucking Association, who's been kind of prominent uh, in the last number of weeks. And also very pleased to be joined by Michael Keeley, who's the senior vice president of uh, U.S. government affairs for UPS. Hi, guys. Morning. Good morning, Gareth. How you doing? Very well, thanks, guys, and thanks again. And you're you're very welcome to to, to this conversation. So, look, guys, as I mentioned in opening, um, you know, we've been living through unprecedented times. That is that is uh, clear for all of us. And you know, your industry, you know, the industry of logistics and trucking, has been catapulted into the public eye, perhaps like like never before. Maybe Kevin, you know, sitting as you do in the in the in the industry, could I maybe just ask you to kind of share with us your key reflections of the last couple of months? Sure, Garrett. Thanks for having me on. Uh, really good to speak with you. Yeah, it's, it has really been unprecedented times uh, over the last three months. However, one of the kind of silver linings, if you will, has been the incredible support and widespread recognition our industry has garnered throughout this crisis. Uh, more specifically, America's 3.5 million professional truck drivers and the techs and other key personnel that are behind them. Um, you know, since this has started, we hear the term essential uh, more and more frequently of late. And Americans are really opening their eyes to the to the gravity of what essential really means. Uh, truck drivers are the difference between the store shelves being restocked and remaining empty. Uh, they're why doctors and nurses have PPE to protect themselves while they're treating the sick. Uh, their truck drivers are how test kits get to high pack impact areas so local officials can mitigate the virus spread. And in some ways, it's regrettable that it's taken a, a global pandemic to focus the spotlight on these kind of unsung heroes behind the wheel. But we're going to take it. Um, when you know trucking stops, America stops. That's the reality of it. Uh, we're moving 79% of the freight around our country every day. Um, and then we also think that as we come out of this crisis, uh, trucking and truck drivers are going to be equally pivotal to as we try to restart our economy and get this country moving again. So it has been uh, one of the things uh, that we have seen the most is this this upswell of support, and we we really appreciate it as an industry. Thanks, Kevin. We've certainly seen that across the world in terms of the definition of the the front line, as uh, people have called it. And you're absolutely right. You know that that has changed in all of our our minds over the last number of uh, number of months. Michael, you know you obviously sit you within a global leader. You know, in the industry, you know, your your operations at UPS span, you know, the whole supply chain, you know, from the the final mile, I suppose, right back, you know, kind of uh, to, to to earlier in the supply chain. You know, I suppose thinking about the last couple of months, and you know, maybe you could just give us a little window into the world of UPS, Michael, in terms of the demands placed, kind of a company like yours, and maybe some predictions as to how this might influence how you do business in the future. Uh, thanks for that, Garrett. I uh, really appreciate the question. You know, for a long time, UPS has has really taken the position with our our customers that you know we help to enable global commerce, and that's you know true now more than it ever has been. 
you know, when you talk about the demands on the economy uh, and our business, the best way to sum it up is that it's been extremely significant, the demands. And the volatility in the global market is really what's driving that. You know, early on in the process, we saw significant disruptions in the supply chain from Asia into Europe, into the United States and other parts of the world. That was sort of the precursor to this. Um, we saw the European economy uh, really contract and then the U.S. sort of following suit. Since then, we have seen a, a massive rise in, in commerce, in transactions. Uh, as Kevin was talking about, trucking has become you know, an essential business. We have been classified as essential workers. And the big trend that we're seeing in this, and we, and we don't expect it to stop, is the trend from business to business transactions, which has always been the hallmark of what UPS has done, to business to consumer. And that's happening all over the world. As people have sheltered in place, we have had to adjust our network from delivering to businesses to delivering to homes. And it has been a challenge at times, but I, I do think that we are succeeding. Um, it is a higher cost model than what we've experienced in the past. And so we have to adjust the network. We have to adjust our resources. And the fact that we have been really able to have a, a pretty nimble supply chain setup has allowed us to adjust and move assets where necessary. You know, when you talk about some of the other future trends, besides the, the shift to residential, we're finding a lot of customers that are really taking a hard look at their supply chains and really have been doing it for a long time. And understanding really how their supply chains work. I think a lot of people took all of this for granted that the truck was going to show up with what you needed at your doorstep. And that's not happening because of the disruptions that the COVID-19 virus has brought on. So you're going to see people focus more on the efficiencies of their supply chain, which countries they're going to interact with, having a much more flexible and variable supply chain so that they don't have the disruptions that many of the companies that we work with are experiencing. Yeah, thanks, Michael. I'd like to pick up on a couple of those points, actually, as we, we go through the conversation. And you know, in previous you know broadcasts that we've done at OCO, you know we've talked about you know some of these you know shifts I suppose that we're observing at the moment that, that we believe will be long lasting. Uh, and maybe if I could pick up on a, on a couple of those, and you've alluded to them a little bit, Michael. But Kevin, interested in your own thoughts around you know Michael talked about the the kind of direct to consumer piece and obviously the e commerce kind of machine that sits behind that you know kind of you know shows no sign of uh, relenting. You know, be interested in your your thoughts around you know kind of how that changes or how that uh, you know places different challenges you know kind of uh, in your industry and, and for your for your members. Sure, uh, you know we've seen that as a as a long steady long term trend throughout the retail supply chain, which is now really been intensified by this current crisis. You know, with with brick and mortar retail stores closed across the country and across the globe. Uh, during the lockdown, consumer activity has really shifted almost entirely to online. And even even in things like food, you know, where folks are getting home delivery of groceries versus going out to the store. 
Um, and that trend had been happening more and more uh, over the last 10 years, uh, the shift from folks going out to restaurants uh, versus cooking food at home had been growing. Uh, but now we're, we're probably going to see a reverse of that for, for the foreseeable future. Over time, we've, we've kind of seen these changes affect our industry, uh, causing the trucking economy to shift more toward a regional and away from a long haul kind of model. Our, our chief economist at ATA, uh, Bob Costello, has been tracking this with figures showing that the average miles driven from uh, has decreased from 800 miles per day for a driver to in 2000 uh, to 505 uh, miles a day in 2019. And as we continue to buy more and more stuff online and consumers expect one and two day direct to their door, uh, that's going to require more and more warehouses, more and more distribution centers across the country as as the freight has to be closer to the endpoint delivery system, right? Um, and I imagine that this present crisis is causing players throughout the world, not just, you know, and throughout the supply chain to assess how well they're positioned um, as they look at this new reality, which is only going to grow. Online businesses uh, will grab market share and retain a lot of it over the next couple of years. And others might have to look to invest and shift accordingly and, and quickly to this new model. Absolutely, Kevin. And uh, you, Michael, when you talked you know, previously, you mentioned, you know, so with that comes a shift perhaps or a, a kind of an increase in the cost of the supply chain. I suppose in this kind of new world, Michael, Lou, Sort of, if I can pose a question, who pays? You know, where does the uh, where does the extra cost sort of ultimately uh, ultimately end up in this new world? Well, you know, I think a big thing that you know we have to do as a provider is number one, try to find ways to make it less expensive, and and so we have to look inward uh, on how to accomplish that because competition will always drive you to that. I think consumers, in some ways, have to be prepared that there is a price to a lot of this. And as I always like to say, there really is no such thing as free shipping. And I'm pretty sure Kevin would agree with me on that one. It, it does cost money to move goods. It's always just been embedded in the price of the goods that, that companies buy. You know, what I would like to add for really all businesses, you know, e-commerce is here to stay and it really needs to be part of every company's business plan. And it's not just for the large companies that people think about when they think about e-commerce, but there's tremendous opportunities for the mid-sized companies and the small businesses all over the world. And we've been trying to spend a lot of time with smaller businesses as to how they can take advantage of the various e-commerce channels, not just to sell locally where they're used to selling, but they can sell globally. So there's no reason why a business in in the UK or Northern Ireland can't have the same access to the U S market. If they set up the proper channels, um, you know, through an online platform, through the, the proper, uh, shipping, uh, and logistics and supply chain platforms, they can sell their products all over the globe. And there's nothing that they should really, that should slow them down when it comes to that. You know, just a couple of weeks ago, we did our first, we did a webinar, with, with some of our small business customers just to explain how this whole new world was working. And 
you're lucky in the past with some educational webinars to get 30 to 40 customers. We had over 3,000 customers that signed up for the first one, trying to understand how this new world order is working and how they can take advantage of it for their businesses. Yeah, no, absolutely, Michael. And we we had a, a experience yesterday ourselves with a, an Irish company in the forklift manufacturing industry who are adapting their business model actually to facilitate kind of online selling, you know, and utilizing technology to, to showcase, you know, those products, you know, given that they, they won't be able to travel so much um, over the coming months. So we're seeing, I suppose, kind of ripple effects the whole way, the whole way across the supply chain. Maybe, you know, if I could work, you know, kind of further back into the supply chain. And, uh, you know, one of the things we've talked about previously, guys, and I'm sure you will have commented on it as well, is that, you know, a potential, you know, scenario from the, the post-COVID fallout is that supply chains in general will get shorter uh, and a trend perhaps to, you know, a, a reshoring or nearshoring of manufacturing. And we've seen a lot of commentary around that in your in your own market in the, in the U.S. I'm just interested in, Kind of what challenges and opportunities that presents. So if you have know, manufacturing kind of gets located closer to home or closer to the the business or the end user, what uh, what does that mean for for logistics and trucking? Or maybe Kevin, maybe if you could take that one first. Sure. Um, well, I'm pretty sure policymakers in the U.S. and and across the globe uh, will be drawing a lot of lessons from this crisis as they look into particular strengths and vulnerabilities of their supply chain. And, and here in the U.S., we're doing that. And, and we're looking at its dependence on foreign sourcing. Um, that was an issue before the coronavirus, but it's, it's kind of taken a, a step forward now. And I know that's already being looked at heavily with respect to things like medical supplies and equipment. But more broadly, the freight economy here in the U.S. really took a heavy hit in the early stages of this crisis when when containers stopped coming from China as as they shut down their manufacturing uh, in January and February, and their plants started slowing down. Uh, you know that was you know an indication they were trying to stop the spread of the virus, and and everybody appreciated that. But we took a heavy hit when those containers you know stopped moving. Um, that being said, the trucking industry, perhaps more than almost any other industry in the U.S., knows how critical international trade is to to our economic growth. Um, kind of behind the backdrop of all the COVID-19 news, uh, the USMCA trade agreement with, with Canada and Mexico is set to take effect on July 1st. Uh, the kind of new NAFTA it's a, is a stronger, more modern North American trade agreement. And ATA had a really heavy hand in, in crafting this uh crafting this legislation because we knew how important it was to our members and to the trucking industry in general. There are almost 33,000 trucks, truck entries along our northern and southern border every day, hauling over $2 billion worth of goods on a daily basis. A single part that goes into uh, the component of a car, for example, can cross the border multiple times before the end product car is assembled and sold to the consumer. Uh, I don't think our reliance on trade will diminish anytime soon because of this crisis. This is a global economy, and we we recognize that at, at, you know as as the U.S. trucking industry, and we we need a strong global economy. But perhaps we're going to see more manufacturing return to North America, and we don't think that's a bad thing. And that could be a really good thing for our domestic trucking industry as as we go forward from uh, from COVID. I think you're right, Kevin. I think that balance that you talk about, I mean, there are many kind of benefits, I guess, that globalization has brought, but perhaps 
you know, some of its limitations or some of the challenges have been accentuated through this crisis. And we really hope that that balance can be can be found um, out the other side. And Michael, I guess, you know, sitting as you are in a global business, I'm sure you've had a bird's eye view as to kind of what is kind of happening in terms of some of these global kind of trade flows in the last couple of months and perhaps, you know, kind of what, what might happen in the future. I'd be just interested in your in your thoughts on that. Uh, and, uh, you know, are we seeing a, a sort of a, a shift here that's that's long term? Uh, and what do you expect to, to play out in the future? Yeah, I would start with saying the supply chains have been evolving for thousands of years. You know, the strongest economies have always had highly sophisticated supply chains that stretched beyond their own borders. So as, as much as people talk about the need to insource everything, I, I strongly believe that the supply chain is going to remain global. Now, we will see, as I talked about earlier, manufacturers in particular, setting up more flexible supply chains so they don't have to rely on one geographical area. You're going to have to have the need to source from, from multiple locations. You're going to have to have the flexibility to stop manufacturing in one place and begin manufacturing somewhere else. But the supplies needed for any process are going to always be coming from all over the world. And I don't expect that to change anytime soon. There may be more final distribution or assembly of products closer to the end user. But long term, there's there's always going to be a need for what the global supply chain can can bring to the overall economy. Yeah, I agree. I agree entirely, Michael. And if I maybe could just finish, guys, with a, a final kind of point, which I'd love to get your views on. We we suppose in our business we talk a lot about industry verticals, you know, in different sectors. But you know, for a number of years now, even pre-COVID, we started talking about you know effectively two horizontals. Those horizontals being technology. Uh, and also kind of logistics, which kind of span multiple sectors. If we just think about technology as it sort of pertains to your own industry, um, you know, what do you expect to see kind of uh, in terms of further technology and innovation? I mean, you've talked about the cost agenda. You, you've talked about, you know, kind of global supply chains. And underpinning all that, I know, has been you know, pretty relentless, you know, kind of uh, improvements in technology across logistics and trucking. But I'm interested in how you, uh, how you might see that uh, further evolve. Maybe kind of Kevin. Sure, I'll I'll start. So, I mean, one of the things I can say is one of the things that has struck me the most <laughs> since coming to the trucking industry is how high tech and how much we are driven by a culture of safety, um, and how much we invest in that. And and part of my role here at ATA is to bring new members into the fold. And been really blown away by the innovation and sophistication of new companies are introducing from, you know, the OEMs all the way down to startups. You know, we've worked very closely with several companies out of Ireland now. Uh, we have we have three members from Ireland. Um, uh, Cameron Maddox brought a new safety technology to the U.S., established themselves with, as a U.S. company and have you know shifted their production over to Virginia and have been doing a great job you know offering a new platform for for trucking safety that really wasn't in this industry before and we we have another partnership and and a formal affinity program with a company called Urban Bolt which is a global energy company 
to really help trucking companies and warehousing companies and uh, to reduce their carbon footprint across their facilities. And hopefully, you know, at the end game, take those facilities, you know, completely off the grid and, and make them carbon neutral, if not producing energy um, at, at a really great business model that, that supports the company's financial position and has no upfront cost for them. I mean, it was the first time I heard it, I was shocked. I was like, how do you do this and make it work? But the cost savings driven from the energy savings really do make it work. So we are looking actively for companies from Ireland, from the EU that are bringing new technologies into the U.S., into the U.S. trucking industry. We want to help them. Uh, we can we can guide them. We can introduce them to our industry. We can support their their marketing plans across the board with our members. And you know, with with thirty three thousand members in the the ATA of Federation, you know that's a that's a pretty good market to start trying to sell to. Um, I, I would go back and say our key area is safety. Um, our industry invests over over ten billion dollars every year in safety technology, such as collision avoidance systems, electronic logging devices, onboard camera systems. But we also see and continue to see development um, and deployment of automated vehicles, vehicle technology, uh, which we refer to as driver assist, not driver list. We always think right now, I think we still need to have that driver in there, but we're going to see that that automated vehicle technology improve as we go through the, the next couple decades. And, and this technology holds enormous potential to improve safety, dramatically reduce fatalities and accidents, reduce emissions, reduce traffic congestion. And if you eliminate human error from that equation, which contributes to 91% of highway accident and fatalities in the US, and you connect that vehicle with technology, it can, it can save you know tens of thousands of lives every year. And that's what we're really focused on. Um, we're also looking at things like, you know, um, battery powered trucks and, and, you know, battery cells and all of that technology is coming to this industry and it's coming fast. And we're very excited about it. And ATA is trying to, to lead the way for our members in, in supporting them and in, in bringing that technology to the market. And of course, Michael, UPS has a long history of embracing and innovating from a technology point of view. And I, I was fortunate enough to visit one of your facilities a couple of years ago and see that at, at, at first hand. But, you know, what might we expect from, from, from UPS and others like you kind of in the, in the, kind of in the, in the near future uh, as we kind of grapple with this kind of changing, uh, changing picture you've painted? You know, for, for years, we have driven a lot of our technology investments to the shipper. In the new world that we are living in, a lot of our technology investments are now going to the consumer. They play as much of a critical part in choosing who your supply chain vendor is going to be if they're getting the service that they need. Customers want to know where their goods are, whether it be a small package or a large freight movement. They want to know where their goods are at all time, and they want to have certainty as to when their goods are going to be delivered. So we're taking a different view as to even what the definition of a customer is and investing those technology dollars to the end user. Well, we Several years ago, we had developed a, an application called UPS My Choice, which gives customers power and control to direct where and when their packages 
and service will be delivered. And this has been implemented really all over the globe. Um, it, it gives them control uh, in the supply chain. We're investing heavily in, in sort of what Kevin would talk about as, as driver-assisting safety technology uh, to make the operations safer. Uh, that is, I think, paramount as we continue to drive this industry forward, as we continue to need new drivers uh, throughout the world. We've experienced shortage, particularly in the long-haul truck driver. And so to get new, younger people trained the safety component is essential to get more and more people uh, to enter this business. We've also had a number of really exciting developments when it comes to advancing drone technologies. We actually started doing this several years ago uh, in Africa to, to get to very remote places to deliver vaccines and blood supplies. And we have moved that into the United States where we have worked with uh, several partners. And, and in fact, UPS is, was the first fully certified drone airline uh, in the United States. And we operate commercial activities on a hospital campus in, in North Carolina. We did our first deliveries direct from a CVS pharmacy to uh, a residential neighborhood in Florida uh, just this Monday. That was the first time the FAA had uh, approved flights uh, of this magnitude. And so you're going to see that slowly develop, particularly to address some of the needs that COVID-19 has, has brought that folks want. In some cases, the certainty that what they need critically, particularly for vulnerable elderly populations uh, that need to limit their interaction with other people. So it's really exciting times when it comes to customers. The technology we're using is coming from all over the globe. You're going to see major advances in electric vehicles. Uh, our, our largest partner is actually a UK-based customer. You're going to see major advances in trying to find new and exciting ways to deliver residential homes. And in Europe, it's a lot more difficult than it is in the United States. Uh, so we've developed a, an extensive network, and, and that actually came from an acquisition from a French company to, to create access points all over the continent so that consumers can get what they need, where they need, and, and we don't have to you know, return it to our facilities. The more we can deliver it the first time, the better it is for our customers. Very good, and we're lucky at OCO, Michael, to be working with a number of companies that you mentioned in, in that space, be it kind of, you know, innovative battery kind of manufacturers, electric vehicle kind of applications. And so we, we, we look forward to that continuing and, you know, that sort of new reality that you described kind of moving forward, uh, you know, kind of coming to fruition. Just since uh, you, you mentioned it a little bit, Michael, I just want to close with a, a topical question for, for, for both of you. I mean, clearly we're at the point now where economies are beginning to come out of lockdown. But I think we all accept basically that, you know, until we have a vaccine and until we have a, a sort of really robust sort of sort of solution or remedy basically to coronavirus, you know, things will, will probably not get entirely back to normal. Just on the, the topic of kind of vaccine distribution, I'm interested in your thoughts in terms of, you know, kind of preparedness and kind of how sort of well set up we are to kind of meet what I, what I guess will be an unprecedented sort of challenge. I'd, I'd be interested in both your thoughts on that. And Michael, maybe uh, you mentioned it 
in terms of UPS's experience in the past. If I could just start with you on that one. Well, I've, we have been spending an awful lot of time on exactly what you're talking about. Now, we'll, we'll leave the vaccines to, you know, some of the scientists to develop, and I know they're, they're actively working on that, but we've been doing a lot of work with the federal government, um, with governments really all across the globe to set up testing capabilities. And, and to open, this is really going to be one of the keys, the ability to get the testing supplies to the sites that can do it. I think eventually and very quickly, testing is going to be done at home. There are countless suppliers that are developing kits that could be done in the privacy of your own home, where we have the capability to deliver the test kits, pick them up uh, the next day, get them to labs quickly and effectively so that people have the confidence that they can get back to work, that they are not going to infect anyone uh, with the virus. So that we're seeing develop rapidly. We got a major project going on in the UK with the NIH um, or the NHS, I'm sorry, and working with various states here in the US to, to get their programs off the ground. And very soon, this is, I think there's going to be an explosion in this particular industry. And it's going to change in a lot of ways how we deliver healthcare not just for for COVID-19, but for a lot of other ailments that we have going on. The ability to do telehealth or health at home is going to be a major trend uh, that we'll, we're going to see all over the world. Yeah. And Kevin, I know you talked about some of the challenges that your members have, have faced down so far, and I'm going to assume that uh, you're absolutely kind of ready, willing, and able for you know, some of the future challenges that, uh, that Michael and we've alluded to during this conversation as well? Yeah, I, I believe what happened in the initial stages of this crisis as, as government and industry worked together to mitigate the impact of COVID-19 have really set us up and prepared us well for the stages that followed. And ATA is a 50-state trucking association with a, with a national headquarters in the Washington, D.C. area is really well-placed to kind of be a critical player throughout this crisis as, as and as we come out of this crisis, as, as Mike can attest, UPS has been delivering, you know, PPE in the front lines and in the hot zones with, you know, frequent runs into New York City, for example, to deliver hand, hand sanitizer to the New York Police Department. You know, that's that's critical stuff that's been going on. And we at ATA, we've, we've, we've been in constant contact around the clock with, with federal agencies, with state governments, and in, in some cases, even down to local governments, uh, to make sure that trucks can keep moving and essential supplies uh, can reach their destinations unpeated. Early on, as state and local restrictions have been were, were put into place, we, we worked really hard across the country to remove barriers and ensure you know supply lines were not disrupted. Uh, you know, it, it was good intentions, but in some cases, as as states shut down rest stops, you know, which are critically important for the health and safety of our drivers, you know, we had to we had to step in and say, hey, that that's not going to work across the country and across your state if we're going to continue to be able to move freight, cargo, and and essential essential goods in your state, and and we did that 
in multiple jurisdictions across the country. Um, for some states, there were there were growing pains, but we just, you know, but we think now most policymakers across the country understand trucking is essential, and they understand why. Um, and I think that has provided a pretty strong foundation for us moving forward as we look to distribute test kits and hopefully, as Gareth, if you said vaccines, in the months ahead, we're really excited for that challenge. And, and I know it's going to be critical, you know, to the whole country to keep trucking moving uh, as, as we come out of COVID. We all echo that. And uh, look, I'd just like to thank you both for your, your time today. I mean, at OCO, we sometimes think about ourselves sitting, you know, in terms of our client base between government and the private sector. And, you know, you guys are certainly kind of, uh, you're very much in that space. And as you mentioned, Michael, increasingly kind of the final kind of link to the consumer as well. And look, so I think it's been it's been interesting and inspiring to kind of listen to you and hear about your business in the last uh, the last couple of months. Um, but uh, I just want to thank you for your time, and uh, I look forward to speaking to you both soon. Thank you, Gareth. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Appreciate the time. <laughs>